Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. How to become a better you, and uh, in the first week we talked about keep pressing forward. We talked about pressing forward, and we talked about being positive towards yourself. Then last week we talked about developing better relationships. I loved speaking about that, and then we talked about forming better habits. And I told you that the way to break habits many times is to form better habits. It's 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 a whole lot easier to form better habits that will push the old habits out of your life. Because Jesus Christ loves to give us life in that more abundant. Amen? It's not the fact that he just takes things away. He gives you something greater. He gives you something better in your life. And those things replace the things that have been overshadowing your life. So I believe with all my heart that we are on the right track. Now, tonight we're going to discuss three things. We're going to discuss embracing the place where you are. We're going to discuss developing your inner life. And we're going to discuss staying passionate about life. So turn to somebody and say, I'm glad to be in church with you tonight. And we're going to have a little Bible study. You may be seated. You may be seated. A man showed up at church one day with his ears painfully blistered. And after service, his concerned pastor asked him, what in the world happened to you, brother? And the man replied, I was lying on the couch yesterday afternoon watching a ball game on TV and my wife was ironing nearby. I was so engrossed in the game when she left the room leaving the iron near the phone. The phone rang and keeping my eyes glued on the television, I grabbed the hot iron and put it to my ear. And the pastor said, well, how'd the other ear get burned? He said, well, I had no more than hung up than the guy called again. Some of, y'all like some of my jokes. <laughs> now, you believe that guy was focused? He wasn't focused on answering the phone, but he was so caught up in watching the game that he didn't know what he was doing when he answered the phone. Let me make a statement here tonight. God loves us just like we are, but he loves us enough not to leave us like we are. How many of you really believe that God wants to take you to another station of living in your life? Amen. How many believe that church is for the betterment of your life and not for the worsening of your life, but to make your life greater and to make your life better and to make your life more productive? I believe in that. Philippians 1 and 6 says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I saw a bumper sticker one time and it had these letters on it, B-P-W-M-G-N-F-W-M-Y. And uh, underneath was written in very small letters and I almost wrecked the bumper. 
because I wanted to see what BPWMGNFWMY meant, and it said simply, be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. I'm going to tell you that God's not finished with any of us. Look at Pastor. I still have a bluebell problem. God's not through with us. But I want to be a better person. Amen? You want to be a better person. You want to be a better parent. You want to be a better child. You want to be a better man. You want to be a better woman. You want to be a better leader. You want to be a better example. And the way to do that is the things that we have talked about from last week and from week before last. You've got to keep pressing forward. You cannot get lazy where you are. You've got to be positive towards yourself. You've got to vote yes for you every morning. You've got to develop better relationships. You've got to quit hanging with people that pull you down and start running with people that have lift spirits about them. Amen? And then you have to form better habits. But I want to talk to you right now on the first thing tonight that we want to discuss, and that's this. You must embrace the place where you are. You must embrace the place where you are. Does that mean that I need to be satisfied? I'm not talking about that. Do you know someone who's not happy with where he or she is in life? They're frustrated. She's frustrated because she's not married and her internal clock is ticking. He's upset because somebody is not treating him fair in his career path. They're certainly worried, trying to reason things out, trying to change things that only God can change. We create a lot of our unhappiness, folks, and our frustrations by constantly resisting and fighting against situations and circumstances in our life. Christian author Philip Yancey finds it intriguing that the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the most brutally pessimistic books in the Bible, was written from the perspective, you've got to get this now, of King Solomon, one of the richest, one of the most powerful men during a time of Israel's unprecedented prosperity. But yet when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote a very, very negative and pessimistic book. And Solomon had everything that the human heart could desire. He had it in abundance. So why does he sound so hopeless in life? Then Yancey recalled the modern-day existentialist literature, which is steeped in apathy and despair. And he had, it had its start in Paris during a time of great prosperity and great peace also. So it's not about what you have monetarily that brings you the peace of God in your life. It is what you have inside of you that brings the peace of God in your life. He said, I'm going to give you joy, joy like the world can't give you. It's a joy that they can't take away. It's an unspeakable joy. Apostle Paul said, I have learned in Philippians, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am in. So I want, I want to encourage some people here tonight. I want you to relax. Just come on, exhale with me right now. Just relax. And accept the place where you are right now. Okay, Pastor, I'm going to accept it. We all have things that we want to change and things we want to see different. But if we really believe that God is in control and He is directing our steps, then we must believe that we are exactly where we are supposed to be in our lives. I preached a message one time years ago, what is in your hand? And Moses said, it's nothing but a rod. And the Lord said, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a serpent. And the Lord said, pick it up. And what's so funny, the Bible said Moses picked it up by its tail. 
The old boy had been in the desert for a long time, but he wasn't that crazy. You understand? <laughs> he wasn't going to pick that thing up by his head. And so he picked it up. And, and, and so I, I, I got to talking about this, and there was, there was a particular person in our church that was just frustrated because of the life that they had. The husband was without work, and he, was, he was, uh, 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 could not work. He was uh, unable to go to work. He was unable to even, he couldn't draw a pension. He couldn't, he was just in between. He's one of those tweener guys. And then they had a, they had a child that was, that was, that was without hearing. It, the child could not hear, and the child was very difficult to raise. And so the mother, the mother was just doing her best. She was just caught in this situation. What do I do with myself? What do I do with myself? And so she decided what she would do would go down to the hospital and just volunteer. Just volunteer to help with the signing, perhaps, in the emergency room or just wherever she was needed. And she caught on. She caught on in the, in the emergency room, and they let her come to work every night, put her on for 30 bucks an hour. They put her on for 30 bucks an hour, and she just she found a way because she said, I'm just going to do what I can do, and what I can do, God will add to, and God will produce what I can't produce. So many times we get these things in our hands, and we want, we want to make them ourselves. It's just like the story I told you many years ago about the old pastor with the young pastor. And they, he took him around. The young pastor's wife had run off with another man, and he was pastoring a large church in California. And the old pastor took him out to his place and showed him his rose garden. And he said, I want you to pick one of these roses. And he picked a beautiful, full-bloomed rose. And then he said, I want you to pick one that's not bloomed. And he picked it up. And so he had a bloomed rose in his hand, and he had one that had not bloomed yet in his hand. He said, I want you to do something for me. I want you to peel the petals back and make that one look like this one. And so when the man started peeling the petals back, of course, the petals started breaking, and his thumbprint was destro destroying the leaves of the petals. And he realized that the more he tried to open the thing, the worse it looked. And when he got them all opened up, and he looked at it, and he looked at what God did with his beautiful unfolding of the rose itself, he said, man, it's no comparison. And the old preacher said, listen, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing, but you just got to sometimes wait on God. You've got to embrace the place where you are and understand that you're not lazy sitting there, but you just embrace it and say, God, I'm not happy where I'm at, but I'm not going to be discontented where I'm at. I believe that you have me in your hands. And the old man said, here's what God wants to do in your life, and here's what you'll do with your, we try to do it yourself. And here's what I want to tell you. Sometimes we try to override the will of God and override the presence of God and override the kingdom of God. Ask Abraham if it worked when he, when he had Ishmael by Hagar and then God gave him Isaac by, by, uh, by, by, by his wife. Ask him if it worked. Ask him if, um, uh, ask him if it took place in his life. No, it didn't take place. I, I mean Isaac in his life. No, it didn't take place because God Almighty, God Almighty was there to help him and Abraham could not get content where he was and so he tried to get ahead of God and many times we do that as a child of God you've got to slow down you've got to smell the coffee and you've got to believe that God is with you and God is for you and if he ever said he was with you he's not going to walk away from you say amen to that say amen to that now some people wear themselves out constantly praying resisting rebuking you know they get in this rut they get in this stuff and they say I rebuke that devil that's a devil trying to stop me from having the blessings of God. I, I rebuke you, devil. Please, God, you have to change this situation. Change my husband. I don't like my job. Change it, change it, change it. And God is saying, why don't you just let me change you? We always want to change it. <laughs> we always want to change them. Why don't we let God change us?
The second thing we do, we can't pray away everything uncomfortable in our lives. Some things God puts in your life that are uncomfortable. A bird will never learn to fly if there's not some stickers in the nest to get that bird to fly out of the nest. The mother bird knows how to take that down out of that nest so that those stickers will stick that little bird and that little bird will get a will to fly and get out of that nest and go fly away. And God's going to make sometimes life difficult where you are because he don't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to get where he wants you to go. Amen? And then the third thing, we don't grow nearly as much when everything is easy. I will tell you this, resistance builds our strength and, and the fire refines us. When, when I was just 25 years old, I've never really told you all this story, but when I was 25 years old, I was a pastor. Now, now that sounds so ridiculous. It's ridiculous is what it is. But I was a pastor. I, I took a church that had 15 people in it, and, and we didn't have nothing. We had, we had no money. We had, my mom and dad could not help us. We took a church that was two, three months behind on their payment. They were three months behind on their, on their, uh, on their bus note. They were two months behind on electricity. The city was about to foreclose on the building. And the electricity was fixing to be turned off because we couldn't do anything. And we had an old pastor man there in, in the Oak Hill, in the Oak uh, Cliff area in Dallas. It came over one day and gave us a rally and, and got us back to even. And he turned to me when he took up an offering from all those pastors. He said, and it wasn't a whole lot of offering. It was probably about $1,200. But he said, now, now, Brother Rex, we got you back to even. We want you to take off and run and make this church work. And so we got back to even. And so we was on our way. Well... We didn't have a place to live because we didn't have any money to live. The first year I was there, all of 1976, the total income of the church, tithe-wise, was $1,100 for the whole year. For the whole year. Now, I know that's 1976, but folks, that's not a lot of money. <laughs> that's not a lot of money. You understand what I'm talking about. $1,100 for the whole year. You didn't get that. You didn't get that, did you? You still hadn't got that yet. For the whole year. And then it grew. God let it grow. But we lived in the back of the church. I preached every night. I preached every night somewhere. I was somewhere preaching. I was having church somewhere and, and, and going here and there. Pardon me. I said 1100 It's 11000 Forgive me. It's about, about $900 a month. And I was going somewhere every night just preaching, preaching, preaching. Well, the next year it grew to about $13,000, 1977. Then the next year we had a great revival and it grew to about $18,000. That's for the whole year. But I was still preaching. Do you realize, folks, that I never thought, I never thought <laughs> that I was sacrificing? It never hit me. It never hit me. God, look what we're doing for you. God, we're your servants. Look what we're doing. It never hit me that we were sacrificing and doing something for God. Then we got a house. I'll never forget the first house that we got in Dallas. Wow. It had 1,200 square feet. We thought we'd died and gone to heaven. We lived in the church four to four and a half to five months. I, don't, I, 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 keep, I say a lot of times when I preach out three because I didn't want people to think we was poor for five months. But we finally moved into a house that had 1,200 square feet. And I'll never forget, we slept on the floor, but we had a house. But I never, I never went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, I tell you, there's people in this town that's got big old churches. They got a lot of money, Lord. We're sacrificing. See? I never thought it was a sacrifice. I was content with where God had placed me because I knew that we weren't going to stay there forever. 
I knew we was going to grow. And in less than five years, we was running over 400 solid people in church every Sunday. And when I left there and left it to another pastor, I didn't leave them $18,000 a year. There was a great church being built. We had bought 11 acres out on the freeway. We had built a new building, and we had put carpet in it, and we had the pews to put it in the wall, and the walls was already painted. And the new pastor just almost could walk in and say, wow, look what God has done. No, 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 no. It's because somebody back yonder didn't think, you know, we're being pitiful. It's pitiful. It's sad. Don't look at yourself because you don't have everything you want. Don't look down at yourself and say, I'm not where I ought to be. God's got you there for a reason. But hang on to the face of God. Hang on to the hope of God and embrace where you are and believe that God will bring you out of that situation. Amen. Recently, somebody, somebody asked a dedicated Christian woman, what's the secret of you being able to be influencing so many people? She responded, when you have contentment in your life, everybody's attracted to you. You see an old boy that's contented. That don't mean he's satisfied, but he's contented. You see an old boy that's contented. Everybody say, man, what, what's, what's got into him? Well, I tell you what, I got a raise. Now I'm making $15 an hour. It's an awesome thing to just be contented. It's an awesome thing to just have, have life and understand that life can be a contented place. I'm not saying everybody here has got the job you want. I'm not saying everybody here has got the house you want. I'm not saying everybody here has got the car you want to drive. But somehow you've got to embrace the fact that God is not going to forget where you are. And you've got to understand, you, if you're a single person, embrace the singleness. Don't say, oh, my God, if I could just get married, if I could just have a, a marriage like pastor. Well, you probably never will have a marriage like pastor. But understand that you don't have to be married to be happy. You, there's a whole lot... There's a whole lot worse than being single. You could be married to the wrong man. Some people just can't get happy where they are. Why don't you just look around you and say, you know what? I know I'm not where I ought to be and where I'm going to be, but I'm happy where I am because I'm, gonna, I'm not going to cry to God every day. I'm just going to embrace the place that I am, and I'm going to rejoice because God is with me. Amen. So you're the low person on the totem pole at work. Embrace that role. Be the best you can be. I've seen people jump into relationships or a business deal that they didn't feel good about, but they wanted it badly, and it didn't work out. God allows us to have what we insist on, even though it's not best for us, because he has a mind of what is best for us. And folks, somehow, I, I know this is tough teaching, but somehow you have got to believe that God knows what's best for you. And you're not going to fail when you trust in him. So embrace the place where you are. If you don't have the nice home you want, if you don't have the great job you want, if you don't have the fine car, if you don't have the things that you want, embrace where you are and be happy. You don't have to be satisfied, but be happy because God has placed you in a place that he's going to bless you. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Timothy said it this way, 6 and 11. He said, pursue righteousness. Timothy said, pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue endurance. And pursue gentleness. Gentleness. 
According to Pastor T.D. Jakes, I read this. He said, riches are what you have, but wealth is what you are. And a lot of people had rather have riches than wealth. See, you're wealthy, folks, in opportunities tonight. You're wealthy in creativity. You're wealthy in the chance to prioritize your life. You're wealthy to maximize your potential. And you're wealthy to reassess your strength. You're wealthy tonight because God Almighty loves you. Loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Clap your hands and say amen to that. He loves me. He really does love me. Amen. My, uh, I got a dear friend, James Williams, that comes to this church, and he brings me gifts all the time. And every time he refers to my, to my grandson, Windsor, he don't call him, he calls him President Windsor. President Windsor. Now, I could get some sense of false hope to say if my grandson never becomes president, God has been not good to me. You know, he may be governor, but if he's not governor, it's not that God's not been good to me. If he's not a senator, that doesn't mean God hadn't been good to me. I'll tell you what means that God's been good to me. If my child grows up and calls the name of the Lord blessed. If my grandson grows up, my granddaughters grow up. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wealthy man here tonight, folks. I'm wealthy. Have you seen my girls singing on this platform? Have you seen my kids operating in church? I've never had to spend any bad money for any, any fun babies or any drug problems. I'm a wealthy man. I don't have a lot of money. Never have had a lot of money. Give it all away. But I'm embracing the place where I'm at. And you know what? I've never felt I've sacrificed to live for God. Quit acting like you're sacrificing. It's a joy to live for God. It's a privilege to live for God. Celebrate where you are and embrace it. Come on, let's stand to our feet clap our hands right now. Take a little break. Just praise him. Celebrate where you are in God. Just celebrate him. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Amen. You may be seated. The second thing I want to talk to you about tonight is not only embracing where you are. You need to develop your inner life. You need to develop this inner man. The inner forces has to be stronger than the outer pressures. You've got to develop the braces in your soul that will withstand the things that will blow against your life. Because everybody is going to be placed in storms. Everybody's going to have situations in their life. It's like a man that owned a bunch of horses, and one day he noticed that one of his horses had kicked some wood in a fence and scraped his leg badly. And the man cleaned the wound, and he bandaged the animal's leg. But he noticed a few weeks later that the horse was still bothered by, by that bruise. So the owner asked the veterinarian to come out and examine the horse. And when the vet came, after checking the animal, he prescribed some antibiotics for the animal. And almost immediately, the horse got better. A month or two went by, and the owner realized that the wound had not healed. There was still not a scab. The wound was still open. And it actually was looking worse than ever. So the vet put a horse back on antibiotics, and again, he got better. And then he went off the medicine. The process repeated itself. He got worse again. The wound simply would not heal. Finally, the vet put the horse under anesthesia and began to probe the injured leg. And once he got deep enough, the vet discovered a large sliver of wood that had gone far beneath the skin when the horse had hit the fence month before. They, they had been treating the symptoms rather than the source of the horse's pain. And a lot of times what people do when they face problems is they treat the symptom and not the source 
of the pain. They keep making surface changes rather than dealing with the root issues in their life. Do you know, folks, that there is a, a root that can grow in your life called bitterness? Let's talk tonight. And bitterness has a root. And you can't lawnmower a, a root out. You've got to get something and dig that root out of your life. And I, want, I don't want to treat just the symptoms here tonight. I want to treat the cause of some things. I don't want to reason things out of your life. I want to root some things out of your life. I don't want us just to have a conversation and talk about problems. That's antibiotics. It makes us feel better, but nothing's changed. I don't want to decide it's somebody else's fault. That's antibiotics. We blame others and we make them feel better, but nothing changes. I don't want people to play victims. That's antibiotics. It makes them feel better, but nothing's changed. There's something got to get down in our life and in our heart that says, I'm tired of talking about my issues. I'm tired of blaming somebody else for my issues. I'm tired of playing the victim's role for my issues. I may just have some issues myself, and I might just need to get down on my knees and start repenting to God and asking God to forgive me of my problems and my faults and let me get a hold of this inner man that is causing me problems and let me find relief and glory and victory in my life. Amen. Repentance is not an easy thing to talk about, but I, 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 will, I will say this to you. I will say this to you. If you have a problem with a person in this church, it may be that person's fault, and we may need to talk, but if you have a problem with two people, it may be their fault. But if you have a problem with three or four people, See, it's like, it's like cutting weeds versus pulling weeds. My dad raised me on the farm. <laughs> Son, I want you to pull some weeds in the garden today. Well, I didn't want to pull weeds. I didn't want to get down on my knees and yank weeds out of the ground. But my dad wanted me to do it, so I would do it. I'd get out there and pull, and I'd check and see if, if he had gone to the barn or something and gone away. I'd, I'd stand up and get the hoe, and I'd just kind of scrape them away. And Daddy would come back, and many times I'd get in trouble. He said, son, I didn't ask you to cut those weeds. I ask you to pull those weeds because we've got to get the root out of the situation. There are some things, folks, that I can't cut by the preaching of the gospel out of your life. You've got to reach in and pull it out. You've got to reach in and pull it out. If there's jealousy there, I can't cut the surface of that off. You've got to pull that out. If you've got some envy, you've got some old anger issues, you've got to reach in and pull that out. Do you know anger is, is one of the reasons I think that a lot of people have mind issues? I think anger is something that if it stays boiled up in your life, it'll bring issues that will destroy you down the road. It'll bring, your body will discombobulate. It'll fall apart. You don't need to walk around angry in your life. You really don't. You don't need to walk around angry. You, you just don't need to do that. Can I just talk to you? You need to get up in the morning and start loving some things instead of start, dis, start keep disliking things. You need to keep loving and keep appreciating what God's doing. Folks, we're the most blessed people in all the world to know Jesus Christ. And we don't need to walk around acting like that we're mad at the world. We don't need to walk around acting like everybody hates us. People don't hate us. They love us. They love to be around people that's got it together and content with God Almighty. But many people don't, do not understand that you've got to get in this thing and pull it out. You see, Israel 
When they came out of, the, out of Egypt, they became their own worst problem because they were, they were slaves in Egypt. And stay with me. They were slaves in Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, they didn't get Egypt out of them. And when Moses couldn't do it quick enough for them, when the rain didn't fall or when the, when the rock didn't give enough water or when the cloud wasn't good and covered and when, and when it didn't, wasn't warm enough at night for them and when they didn't get enough to eat, maybe they didn't get out of their tent and go gather the manna, they begin to grumble, they begin to complain, they begin to murmur and say, we're going back to Egypt. Here's the point. They came out of Egypt, but Egypt didn't come out of them. And they were victims in Egypt, but when God delivered them, they wasn't victims any longer. And you are not a victim here tonight by sin. You are a conqueror. Oh, hallelujah. You have conquered those things in your past. So you don't go back. Oh, can I talk to you right now? You don't go back to that old victim mindset. You lift your hands and say, I'm a victor. I'm a victor. I'm a victor in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to live that life any longer. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we blame the devil for things that we're the problem for. I'm going to tell you something. The devil can't handle the child of God. You know, the Bible says in John 3 that the wind bloweth where it listeth, and so is every man that's born of the Spirit. You know, the wind blows, folks, and, and nothing can stop the wind. And I've preached this here several times, but you can't, you can't quarantine them. You can't stop the wind. And so is every man born of the Spirit. A man born of the Spirit can't be stopped. The only thing that can stop you is you. And many times we get these victim mentalities instead of victor mentalities. And we walk through life and say, well, I got picked on today. Big deal. Big deal. Count it all joy. Count that all joy when you fall into those kind of situations, knowing that God's working on your patience. God's going to take care of you. Amen. You know, some people think I'm ugly. They just don't see good. I think I'm pretty because God beautifies the meek with salvation. I believe that I'm a handsome man in the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about my physique. I'm not talking about my face. I've got a spirit that God enjoys having around in his life. You need to have a handsome spirit. You need to have a beautiful spirit in your life. You're a child of God. Don't bring that old victim mentality to the kingdom. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. Stand up and say, I'm going to take care of what's on the inside. I'm going to develop something in here. I'm going to pull those weeds out. I'm going to get those weeds out because God is for me. Not against me. Some people have been stuck at the same place in your life way too long. A sour marriage. I know those are not fun. A dead-end career. I know it's not fun. Same circle of soap opera people surrounding you. Days of our lives. The young and the restless. Maybe, maybe you're often too hard to get along with, defensive, critical. It's time for a better day in your life. It really is. You've got to get out of it. Our prayer should be, God, please show me the truth about myself and help me get to the root of my problem. Don't let me worry about the little moat in my brother's eye. 
when I got a two before coming out of my one thing I love about this church, and I'm just going to—I'm just going to compliment you out the wazoo right now, whatever the wazoo is. <laughs> it's somewhere in Michigan, I think. So, <laughs> but this church has such a non-condemning spirit. God, I love that about you. But you don't need to condemn yourself. You compliment others, and you condemn yourself. If you're going to compliment others, compliment yourself. And say, I'm a better man than that. I'm a better woman than that. I'm going to embrace where I am and love God because God's placed me here and God knows what I can handle and God knows what I need. But I'm also going to, I'm going to, I'm going to develop my inner life. I'm going to get down and I'm going to pull some weeds out of my life. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For it's the wellspring of life. Jesus said the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. He also said, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. It's not how you look. It's how you look that matters. It's not maybe that you wear clothes from goodwill or you wear clothes from secondhand Charlie or whatever. It's not about how you look. It's how you look. How do you see things in your world? How do you observe things in your world? How do you manufacture how you feel in your heart? If your eye be full of light, your whole body's going to be full of light. If your eye be single, why don't we walk through this world saying, wow, I refuse to play the victim card. I am a child of the king. Clap your hands. Mm. Jesus said, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. We talked about that last week. You know, I've, I've talked to some people who have, who have come to this church, and I want to handle this little situation tonight, and I'm going to move on and close. I've talked to people that's come from other churches, and many people come from other churches with bitterness. Here's the deal. Just like, just like a marriage that maybe the first marriage didn't work out, and, and I'm being realistic tonight because there's folks that's been married multiple times in this church, and God loves you, and I want you to be successful. I really do. But you cannot carry baggage to a new place. The doctor that delivered my Misty, our firstborn, lost his license to practice some 10 years after she was born. Abilene, Texas, lost his license to practice. We knew he was a quack, quack. We knew that. And I know there's preachers that are quack, quacks. And there's attorneys that are quack, quacks. But hear me, all attorneys are not quack, quacks. All physicians are not that. And all preachers are not that. And all churches are not that. And you hear me, you can't bring from yesterday things into a church and make us prove to you that God's going to be better to you and take 10 years to make you decide that this church is not going to be that and run over you and hurt you and step on you and mess with your life and destroy your life. It's not that kind of church. Somewhere you've got to step up to the plate yourself.
and say, you know what? God's given me a new beginning here. He's given me a new marriage. He's given me a new church. He's given me a new pastor. And I'm going to take some things out of my past and I'm going to throw them down. I'm not even going to put them in my trunk. I'm going to come with a trunk-free car. I'm going to ride up to the church and I'm going to believe that God's going to do something for me there. Because the only people that would hold and harbor ill will is people that want to cause itch situations and issues in churches. You have got to understand there's great churches and there's not so great churches. There's churches that only want your money and there's churches that desire to see your soul saved. There's churches that have pastors that you can't reach and there's churches that have pastors who are servants. And it's you to decide that. It's not me to decide that. But I want to tell you something. When you walk into Christian Life Church, don't judge us by any other credence, any other place that you've been to. Don't judge us for that. You walk in here and you give us a chance to be the kind of church that God needs. Oh, hallelujah. God needs for you to have and God wants for you to have in your life and see what God will do for you. I don't know where that came from, but that's gone. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to be saved. And if I knew I was getting my soul fed at CLC, I'd tell everybody in three counties. My pastor gets beside himself sometimes, but he'll come back down to earth. I can't love you any more than I love you. I can't preach to you any better than I preach to you. I can't teach to you any better than I'm teaching to you because what I'm giving you is the word of God. You've got to embrace the place where you are and you've got to strengthen and you've got to work on this inner man yourself. You can't always wave the victim flag. And the third thing, and I close now. I close now. You've got to stay passionate about life. Everybody say passionate. Richard. How long have you been teaching Taekwondo, sir? Come here, come here, brother Richard. Come here, come here, Richard. Come here. Come here, buddy. You eighth degree? Almost eighth. Okay, come on up here. God, he's got his water walkers on. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time he and his wife came. They came the day my brother died in 1992. The very day my brother took his life, Richard and Tony walked in our church. Now, you people that's new don't know that. You people that are old, you're going to hear it time and again. And he told me, go take care of your brother when you come home. you got a new son. And Richard and Tony have been my son and daughter for the last 21 years. The kids have been born here. And I saw your daughter turn 16 the other day. That's not right. No, sir. <laughs> that ain't right. That's not right. That I'm not right. that old. But, 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 but he, he, he's almost, eight, he's fixing to be per, uh, per, uh, uh, put up to an eighth degree black belt. One below the maximum, nine degree. This guy, I've seen him develop. He was national champion, like three years running. He knocked everybody's head off and smiled at him and said, Jesus loves you, get up, you know. <laughs> now, I want to ask you something, Brother Richard. I just want to ask, ask you a point blank question. Yes, sir. Are you still excited about Taekwondo? I love it. <laughs> huh? Isn't it amazing? Awesome. Yes, How long have you been doing it, sir? Almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. Yes, sir. You get up every morning, want to kick again. <laughs> like to kick. You stretch, don't you? You stretch some old legs, huh? <laughs> huh? You stretch. 
<laughs> Every morning. That's right. So you don't get up. You don't get up any morning saying, "Oh God, I got to go hit somebody today." <laughs> That's right. No. It's good to hit. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Been some rough days, hadn't you? Oh uh, yes, sir. Been some tough days. <laughs> Been some times when money wasn't good. Yes, sir. Times people stole from you. Yes, sir. Times people wanted to take your business away from you. <laughs> yes, sir. But you endured, didn't you? Absolutely. That sin him is invisible. Isn't it awesome? Yes, sir. Every day's a good day. Amen. 30 years. Thank you, Brother Richard. Thank you. That wasn't in my notes. I just looked over and saw him smiling and grinning. And every, every morning I get up, I'm still passionate about this thing called Christianity. Luke 4 and 18 will probably be my text Sunday morning. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Proclaim it. What are you proclaiming? What are you proclaiming? Are you proclaiming? The Bible said the spirit of life and the spirit of death is in the tongue. What are you proclaiming? What are you saying about where you are in God? Some years ago, a friend wrote to a Russian author named Turgenev, telling him what he felt that the most important thing in life was is to put oneself in second place. And Turgenev replied to his friend, I suspect that the most difficult and important decision in life is to decide what to put in first place, not second place. I have spoken in high school commencements and invariably there's a special music in the program and the song many times is climb every mountain, forge every stream, follow every rainbow till you find your dream. But talking to a lot of young people, I find that none of them mentally has on climbing boots or is carrying a rope or a climber's pick. Greatness is not born out of a culture that does not have passion. Many times our Christianity is more pastime than it is passion. And I don't want Jesus to ever be a pastime to this church. I want Jesus to always be a passion for this church. I don't want a generation of youth who are not secure and respectable, who are just as secure and respectable and passionate about nothing. One poet said, it's a soldier with no zest for fighting. It's an author with no zeal for writing. It's an architect without a plan. It's a prototype of modern man. That's what he wrote about people with no passion. Where are we going to get people who will run a dairy whose motto is, our cows are not contented. They're striving to do better every day and to bring better milk to you. I wonder if our children still memorize such corny lines as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's words. The heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward through the night. I wonder we still have enough passion to pass on to our kids and allow our kids to say, wow, my dad is passionate about something 
And that something is somebody I want to know all my life, Jesus Christ. My mother, my mother is passionate about Jesus Christ. And I want to know the same Lord that my mama knows. Does anyone ever read Oliver Wendell Holmes anymore? I found this, and I used to love to read it. Through, through our great good fortune in our youth, our hearts were touched by fire. It was given to us at the outset that life was a profound and passionate thing. While we were permitted to scorn nothing but indifference and do not pretend to understand the worldly rewards of ambition, we have seen with our own eyes beyond the gold fields and the snowy heights of honor. And it is for us to report them, them to those who come after us. What I have seen, I must pass on to somebody else. And so, as a pastor of this church, I'm looking for men to impart my passion to. As a pastor of this church, I'm looking for young people that will grab a hold. Can I use the word of gusto that a pastor preaches with and lives by? Can I say that people in this church need to reproduce the passion that you have in the next generation? Because we must stay passionate about life. We must live every day fully. We must not live just five hours a day. We must live 12 hours of every day. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? What he was saying is light till dark is 12 hours. Are there not 12 hours in a day when the sun comes up till the sun goes down? We ought to magnify the name of the Lord in our actions, in our deeds, in our words, in how we operate in our lives. It's just being passionate about Jesus Christ. Or as one man said, sir, don't you worry about the enemy today because when you go out to fight, I'm going to stand to your back with my back to you and I'm going to be just as passionate holding off the enemy from your backside because you are the leader of this country. And I stand here today as a pastor. I know that, I know that there's people of passion in this house. I know there's people of purpose in this house. I know there's people that really have a desire in this house. But what we have to do is reproduce that to people because life is nothing but a profound and passionate thing. We must live every day to the fullest to represent the Christ that saved us from a lost and dying world. I love Jesus tonight. I love Jesus tonight. amazing thing I love to shake a hand come here Adonis come here Adonis step up here buddy yeah you can jump I know you can jump up here buddy this is a great basketball college basketball player I love this young man but I, lo I love to shake a hand of a, of a young man like this and just look at him right in the eye just look him right in the eye and see the fire see the virtue I love that I love I love to look at people understand that there's something burning on the inside of these souls that God has placed there and me with the bellows of just wind keep the fire ablaze that's all a pastor is a bellow with wind just trying to keep you ablaze I didn't start the fire but I'm not going to let it go out in your life at Christian Life Church Adonis, 
I love you, son. Keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. So tonight I'm going to light a shuck for you. I'm going to light a shuck. I'm going to light a little pine cone for you, and I'm going to let you take it home to your house and let your house be a house of fire because we must hear me. John Knox said, we must not stop preaching. We must not stop singing. We must not stop giving until all of Scotland has heard this gospel. And I cannot take a Wednesday off. I cannot take a Sunday off. I cannot take a day off. I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace him because it doesn't have to be great in my world. It's great in his world, and I'm preaching about his world, not my world. And I'm going to have issues and situations. Now, yesterday was one of the greatest days I've ever had. Can I tell you, my wife still loves me after 31 years. She told me that yesterday. She told me that. We went out to eat. We went out to eat at a new place. Place. I'm going to tell you where we went. Just a little bit north of McDonald's. Went to a place called Jasper's last night in the domain. Jasper's. Nice place. Cute, fancy. Little laid back, little Austin-y. I ate ribs. She ate pork tenderloin. She gave me some of hers. I didn't give her none of mine. I did, but she didn't like it, so she gave it back. Thank you, Jesus. We looked across the table at one another. Looked across the table at one another, and we, we renewed our vows. 31 years. I love that girl. That girl loves me. And there's a passion in our life. And I want God to keep your passion alive. This is the wrap-up of this Bible study, being a better you, becoming a better you. You just got to be passionate about everything you do. You got to be passionate. You can't, you can't get sleepy now. You can't get worn down now. You can't become a victim now. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.